Everybody else, if you would, Psalm 37, Psalm 37, another Psalm for the summer, Psalm 37, we'll read our text out of the New King James Version, and we'll just look at the first few verses as we talk about a healthy response or a believer's response to a fallen world. How many know we live in a fallen world, amen? If you don't know that, there's your revelation for the morning, amen? sooner we know that, the better. But we have a response. There's a, our response determines so much about how life affects us, how we affect life. And we want to look at that this morning. Psalm 37, verse 1. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Instead, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers. In his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass, cease from anger, forsake wrath, do not fret. It only causes harm. A healthy response or a believer's response to a fallen world. Father, we thank you for your word. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. Help us, Lord, to not only receive your word, but help us to apply it in our right now living that we might walk and exercise faith in His name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. This psalm, of course, is a psalm of David. and It's written in David's mature years. He says in verse 25, I've been young and now I am old. Yeah, amen. And he's, so he's, he's been around the block. He's seen a few things. And in this psalm, he is discussing the um, age-old problem of why the righteous suffer while the wicked seem to prosper. Maybe you've never wondered that, but many of us have. It's like, why doesn't God do something? Why does He let Him get away with it? Why doesn't He just intervene and give me some justice and give me it quickly? What we learn from this psalm, among other things, that the believer has to watch his response to the inconsistencies, the, 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 the tribulations, the lack of justice in a fallen world, in a fallen world. In a world where at times it seems to be upside down, morally speaking, at times where this seems like right is wrong and wrong is right and the godly suffer and often we get the short end of the stick while the ungodly and the irreverent and the proud seem to be on top getting away with it, getting the promotion, getting the applause. And if we don't watch it, it's just easy to get upset and just cry out, it's just not fair, God. But in a a few verses, we want to discover at least five principles that David gives us a healthy response to help us find and keep our bearings, keep our victory in a world and a culture that seems to really have lost or forsaken its moral compass, how we've drifted off course. We start out with verses 1 and 2, and this really prepares us for the five principles. But look again at verses 1 and 2. Do not fret because of evildoers. Someone says, man, I'm convicted on the first verse. That's okay. You'll have time to respond. Amen. Don't be envious of workers of iniquity. 
For they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. First of all, the psalmist says, Let, let's get, build the foundation for the rest of these principles. And this is the first negative. The rest are the positives. But don't fret about it. Don't fret about the fact that we do live in an upside-down world. We live in a world where it does seem like the, 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 the cocky get a promoted and the, and the honest sometimes get the short end of the stick. But David begins with a number. Don't fret about it. Literally, what that means here, it says, uh, don't get heated up about it. The word fret means don't burn about it. Don't get all worked up over it. Take it easy. Keep things in perspective. Like the grass grows today and is mowed down tomorrow, that's the wicked, the ungodly, the proud, and the mocker. But you, you keep your head. You don't fret. For the Lord will take good care of His people. Can you say amen? And the Lord will deal with His enemies as he sees fit and when he sees fit. So we begin, and David says, Now don't fret. Instead, look up and look ahead. Look up to God. That means look away from those things that are burning you. Look away from those inconsistencies and those in. Don't let them just drag you in and, and make you angry and set you off course and get you uptight and so forth. Look up to God. So your perspective on life will stay perfect looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, and look up to God, then look ahead. Because there's coming a day, praise God, when there will be justice and there will be righteousness and God will honor the godly and deal with the ungodly. We look up and we look ahead and then we want to apply these five principles or healthy responses to a fallen world. Number one, David says, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Don't get worked up over the inconsistencies that you see, the un the things that are not right, they're unfair, and you have to deal with them. We get struck by them at times. And we have all been bitten by the dishonesty in a fallen world. We have all suffered when those ripple currents of ungodly choices and decisions have hit our lives. But David says, number one, trust in the Lord, for He certainly is trustworthy. When all around is sinking sand, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. When I wonder who can I trust and what can I lean on that won't embarrass me or run off on me, in Christ, I can stand and I can hope and I can trust and I can sing in the midst of the midnight hour and I can praise Him when all around me is mocking and jeering. I can be firm on the one that is unshakable. The first principle we see is really foundational. For the Christian life. Verse 3 it says. Trust in the Lord. And do good. Dwell in the land. Don't be so quick to run. Dwell in the land. Hold your peace. Stand. Put that armor of God on. Trust in the Lord. Do good. Dwell in the land. And feed on faithfulness. What a verse. Regardless of what anyone else does. Regardless of what others are doing. We must trust in the Lord and do good. Proverbs 3 and 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart 
And lean not on your own understanding. If you lean on your human understanding, it's easy to get confused and frustrated and embittered by what we see that doesn't seem to make sense, by what we see that seems inconsistent as how it should be. But we're going to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. Psalm 40, verse 4, Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man that trust makes the Lord his trust and does not look to the proud to those that turn aside to the false. If we look too much at the proud and the arrogant, it's easy to feel scandalized. It's easy to feel like we've been taken advantage of. But the Bible says, Blessed is the man that chooses to make God his trust. That says, Lord, I might not understand everything that's going on, but I don't have to understand it in order to trust you in it. And I choose to trust you. And to stand firm on your grace and on your mercy and on your love. Trust here as well as throughout this chapter means to be confident in. Trusting in the Lord means I'm going to be confident in the Lord. He's going to deal with who he has to deal with. And he's going to help me where he needs to help me. I'm going to trust and be confident in the Lord. It carries the notion of security, of peace, of well-being. When I trust in God, it brings a security to my heart sense of peace and well-being to to my life and to my home. And that's exactly what is needed when life seems insecure, inconsistent. All around us is that sinking sand. So when we can't trust in a society or or people, we cannot trust in government, we cannot trust in the company we work for, and maybe we can't, can't trust in a culture that has lost its bearings, we can always trust in the living God who loves us who died for us, who holds us in the palm of His hand. And look not into those things that are untrustworthy, unfaithful, but keep your eyes fixed on Him who is altogether lovely, who said, I'll never leave thee and I'll never forsake thee. You can stand on my word. You can receive the grace of my heart that is sufficient for every battle and every trial and every temporal thing you'll go through. We can trust in the Lord knowing He won't fail us and His promises will always be good to us. When others are doing bad and in a life where it seems like the foundations are crumbling and there's moral compromise everywhere you look, where there's a falling away spiritually within the church and there are lies that are accepted as truth and the sinners seem to get away with it. When others are doing bad, David here admonishes us, continue to do good. He's saying, believers, don't run from the land. Stand firm. Place of God's position, in the place of God's choosing and selection. But do good while you have. Do good because these things of the inconsistent and the ungodly, they must not and they cannot control how we live our lives. Can you say amen? I can't allow the devil's crowd to steal my song. I can't allow those that think they're getting away with it to take away my peace. My peace is not determined by what happens out there. It's determined by what happened on the cross 2,000 years ago when Jesus died for me and now I am a son of God and regardless of what's around me, there is a peace within me. Jesus said, I'll give you peace that the world can give and praise God the world can't take it away David said trust 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 and do good it's my responsibility to do good I can't control what this person says 
I can't control what that person does. I can control right here. Amen? Do good. Keep doing good. Keep living right. Keep serving the Lord faithfully, consistently, wholeheartedly, privately, publicly. Those around you at school or on the job, they might be cheating and lying and doing all that. But you say, Lord, I'm going to believe my promotion comes from you. I'm going to be an honest man or a woman. I'm going to be dependable. I'm not going to play the game like the world says you have to play it. But instead, I'm going to trust in the Lord and do good. Hallelujah. David begins, he says, fret not. Trust in the Lord. Look to God, depend on God, be confident in God, continue to do good, continue to live right. Others can do it their way. I'm going to do it God's way. I like to say, when in Rome, do what Jesus would do. And you say, amen. Hallelujah. Walk right. Regardless of the season, regardless of the setting, regardless of your surroundings, you're not of this world. You've been born again. You've been bought with a price. You belong to Jesus. Walk right and don't be ashamed of it. Amen. And then he says, feed on God's faithfulness. Isn't that interesting? Feed on God's faithfulness. Now, you're always going to feel uh, what broke, busted, disgusted. You're always going to feel frustrated if you're feeding on the wrong thing. Some people got spiritual indigestion. Feeding on the wrong thing. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop. Take the promises of God, not being consistencies in the lies of the world. Frustrated. Got spiritual agita simply because we're not feeding on the faith. Watch what you feed your soul. You feed them the stupid news sometimes and the soap operas and the nonsense. The gossip of the world. No wonder why there's no peace in here. No wonder I'm frustrated in here. But oh, when you feed on the faithfulness of the Lord, taste and see. Oh, oh, oh. the Lord is good. When you're amazed at the unfaithfulness of men and of government, of industry, then feed on God's faithfulness. Remind yourself of God's consistent goodness and mercy, of His power, of His wisdom, of His love for you. Feed on the precious promises of God. Feed on those promises. Feed on the past deliverances that He's brought you through. Remind how good He's been and how far God has brought you. Whatever you're facing this day, it's nothing that God hasn't brought you through before in one shape or form. And the God we serve, He changes not. He's still powerful and mighty. He's still able to do exceedingly abundantly. Above what we can ask or even think. He says, trust me. He says, trust me. So, so trust, number one. Start it out by, I'm going to fret not. I've got to take control of that thing. Stop fretting. Start trusting. And make sure you're trusting him. Tell your neighbor, trust in the Lord. In the Lord. You know, you have false trust. There may be some problems down the road. I remember this story. There was a national newspaper, one of like Time, Newsweek, one of those. And they assigned one of their photographers to take pictures of the, those terrible forest fires out west. They told them a small plane would be waiting at the airport to fly them over get the shots. Well, the photographer arrived at the airstrip just about an hour before sundown. 
Sure enough, there was a small Cessna airplane that was waiting. He jumped in with his equipment. He shouted, let's go. The pilot looked a little tense, but he turned the plane on into the wind, and off they went, kind of flying a little erratic. And the photographer said, finally, all right, fly over the north side of the fire and make several low-level passages. Nervous pilot said, why do you want to do that? Well, the photographer, a little upset, he yelled, because I'm a photographer. I'm a picture taker. We take pictures. With that, the pilot looked and responded, you mean to tell me you're not the flight instructor? (laughs) You better be trusting in the right pilot. Can you say amen? You better make sure you're trusting in the right pilot. I've seen a lot of Christians get defeated, but they were trusting in the wrong person. In the wrong thing. Somebody say amen. Trust in the Lord. Hallelujah. Woo! Number one, we're going to trust. Number two, David says delight, delight, delight. Hallelujah, delight. Amen? You can't live like you were baptized in lemon juice. Start delighting. Delight, delight, delight. Woo! May God's delight, not man's anxieties, Fill our hearts. The second principle, verse number four. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. The desire shouldn't be for vengeance, for give me my justice. Desire should be for the glory of God, and for the will of God, and for the working of God. Delight says that when we're tempted to become bitter, calloused, despairing, Complaining by the actions of others, we should keep our focus on God. What we presently have in God and what we shall have ultimately one day in the Lord. We must never become hardened or disheartened by the wickedness or the injustice, the unfairness that abounds and is so often applauded in this present age. When we delight in the Lord, we remember and we rehearse. We appreciate the delights of the Lord. When I delight in the Lord, I'm appreciating, I'm remembering, I'm rehearsing the delights of the Lord. For in Jesus Christ, we have a lot of delights. In Jesus Christ, we are rich. For instance, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes, he became poor so that you and I, through his poverty on that cross, might become rich. Calvary made us rich. I'm rich in faith. I'm rich in love. I'm rich in joy. I'm rich in hope. I'm rich in forgiveness that only Christ can grant. I'm rich in a peace that is enduring and everlasting. I'm rich in a salvation that gives me eternal and abundant life. I am rich in the privileges and the rights of a son or a daughter of the living God. And the power and the prizes and the pleasures of salvation belong to me. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His right on all these things. There's stories about the delights of God that are often overlooked by the children of God. And oftentimes the enemy gets us focused uh, on what the world has as if it's all that. And we forget all the wonderful things we have in Jesus Christ. 
now and forever and forevermore. It's like that story about the delights of the Lord. It got me thinking that that one time the um, some missionary children were getting ready for dinner. Time for dinner. Little guy, little four or five year old, he's already at the table. He's hungry. He's starving to death. You know how they always are. Mother looks at him and says, hey, before you eat, go wash your hands. Little boy got up. He was kind of grumbling under his breath. He said something to the fact, germs in Jesus, Jesus in germs. That's all I hear, and I've never seen either one of them. <laughs> True. You know, the delights of the Lord can be like that. David saying, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in what you have in God. Did you, want, do you, want, do you want a pill to keep away from the bitterness that the world wants to give you? The, 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 start delighting in having Christ. Start concentrating and focusing and meditating on all the good things we have in Christ. We think about the delights of the Lord. And many of them we see here. Many of the delights that we have, we can see with these eyes. We can look at our families, our children, and our spouse say, thank you, Lord. We can look at the meals that we get to eat and say, oh, Lord, you've been good. We, we can look at the homes that God has given us. We can look at the careers that God has taken. We can look at things with these eyes and say, Lord, you've been good. If it had been for, we can look in the mirror and say, Lord, man, you sure has brought this guy a mighty long way. If it hadn't been for your hand, Lord, where you found me and where I stand today, thank you, Lord. We can look and we can just say thank you, Lord, for all the delights we have in God, for the privileges and the treasures and the riches. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, and forget not all the benefits I have. The delights of delight yourself in the Lord means focus and rehearse and celebrate and rejoice in the things you have. God, and many of those things we can see and we should look at daily saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But there's other things. There's other things that this morning we have to look upon with faith. But we can still delight in them. We can still rejoice in them. We can still find strength in the delights that the eye of faith has to behold right now. We shall see Jesus. We shall enjoy the reunion of the righteous. You're going to see that baby again. You're going to see that mother again. You're going to see that spouse again. Oh, delight thyself in the Lord. Delight thyself in the Lord. It'll overcome the bitterness of a fallen world. It'll overcome the confusion and the inconsistencies of a world that has not yet been judged, but they shall be. Delight yourself in the Lord, for we shall one day escape this unholy place, the ungodly, the unclean. One day, of gold. One day, no more sickness, nor violence, sorrow, or heartache. You are rich in Jesus Christ. If you be a child of God, delight in what you have. And how that world just to suck you in and make you feel like you don't have it or you're not being treated fair. You're a son and daughter of the living God. I want you to know, hallelujah, glory to God. The president is a poor man if he doesn't know Jesus Christ personally as Savior. And this Warren Buffett, he's a better of a man if he doesn't have Jesus living within his heart. Come on, say amen. Oh, delight yourself in the Lord. 
that don't mean just get happy so you can be playing the lotto. We're always selfish in the church. We just think that means if I get happy, God's got to give me. God don't have to give me anything. Thank God He's chosen to give me a bunch. And I'll take it. Amen. Oh, glory. Get over the curse of this fallen world. Get over the fact that happened and it can't unhappen. That's the way it is. And all the bitterness, the bitter pills, and the anger can't solve it. But if you delight yourself in the Lord, if instead of focusing and being sucked in and meditating on that, let me meditate on the riches I have in Jesus, both now and to come. Can you say amen? But we'll say it again. If you're a sinner, enjoy it. This is the best it's ever going to be. But if you're a believer, we can honestly say the best is yet to come. No matter what you've had down here, it's nothing compared to what a... Delight yourself in the Lord. Rejoice in that. Get strengthened by that. Go ahead, devil. Do what you want to do. I'm walking on streets of gold one day. I'm going to be six foot and skinny one day. Come on. Amen. My faith grows. Maybe I'll go for six too. I'll be like Big Jim. I want to be big. I want to. Hallelujah. Delight yourself in the Lord. Focus on the delights of the Lord. That's why you keep yourself upbeat and positive and strong in faith. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, before people get saved, often they resist coming to serve Jesus because they don't see it as desirable or delightful. They see serving Jesus maybe as being constraining or lacking in, you know, fun and freedom and it's harsh, etc. But the truth of the matter is, it's entirely different when you come to the Lord. That's why David wrote in Psalm 34, Oh, taste and see, the Lord is good. That's why Jesus said, I come to give you life and life more abundantly, not more burdens, but abundant life. Victorious life. Because the truth is receiving Christ as Savior and Lord. It's a wonderful thing. It's a liberating thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a delightful thing. It's a life-changing thing. For the true and the living God is the perfection of love and kindness and, and mercy and compassion and joy and peace and forgiveness. And in Jesus Christ to Him only can a man or woman find fulfillment and acceptance significant security. We've been reconciled to God. We've been restored to our rightful place as sons and daughters of the living God. Purpose and there's meaning. And that's what we find in Jesus Christ. And in this moment we have but merely a down payment. But glory that awaits the believer. Delight yourself in the Lord. And let your heart be filled up with the goodness and the grace and the delights of God, not the anxiety and the frustrations of men living and fighting in a fallen world. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We start out with fear not, fret not, fret not, fret not. Don't fret. Don't burn up over it. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. Tell your spouse, don't lose it. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. Oh, don't lose it. No, 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 no. If you lost it, find it. Don't lose it. Trust in the Lord. Then delight 
yourself in the Lord. And now commit, commit, commit your way, your circumstance, your situation, your frustration, your agitation. Commit it to the Lord. That's the third principle. Commit your way to the Lord. Look look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. David writes, commit your way to the Lord. Trust. There's trust again. Trust also in Him. And I love this. And He shall bring it to pass. I want translation. And He worketh. I love that. And He worketh. I'm going to trust, man. I'm going to commit it. And God gets to work. What's our New Testament scripture? And all things work together for them that love God. There's the working of God. Now here, commit means to take something that you currently have and release it to someone else. When we got saved, we gave our lives to Jesus. So in this case of committing something to the Lord, it means you take you take your life and you give it over to God. You release it completely to Him. Now we see this thought and this idea throughout the Word of God, Old Testament, New Testament. We're familiar, 1 Peter 5 and 7, 1 Peter 5 and 7. Cast your burden. I'm going to look at New King James. Cast your burden, your circumstance, your lot. Cast your burden upon the Lord, and He will sustain thee. Casting all your care. I apologize. Casting all your care upon Him. He cares for you. Cast that care. Cast that heaviness. Cast that pain. Cast that that frustration. Cast that feeling of rejection. Cast that on Jesus. Because He cares for you. Somebody, Jesus cares for you. Others might have forsaken and others might have failed, but Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you and He knows you. He knows every mistake. He knows every time you've fallen down. He knows the areas of your pain. He knows the areas of your frustration. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Casting all your cares on Him, for He cares. You can wake up in the morning and shout, Jesus cares for me. You can lay your head on the pillow at night declaring, Listen, good world, Jesus cares for me, and He will take good care of me. And you can take the pain and the burden. Give it to Him. Give it to Him. Psalm 55 and verse 22. Psalm 55 and verse 22 is another one we often quote. Cast thy burden. Cast that burden. What's that thing that's been weighing you down? Let's give it to Jesus. Have you done whatever you can do in the natural? Once you've done that and you've been faithful, all right, let's give it to Jesus. Let's give the weight of it. Let's give the, uh, the wonder. Let's give the, oh my goodness, the anxiety. Let's give it to the Lord. Cast thy burden on the Lord. And sustain means He'll hold you up. He'll keep you up. That thing can't knock you down when Jesus is holding you up. That thing can't break you down if Jesus is the strength that's the foundation and keeping you strong. He shall sustain you. He will never allow permit the righteous to be moved or to be shaken. When we say we belong to God, then we should act like it by committing ourselves to Him to work out His perfect will in our lives. And that means we don't just give in to the fretting and complaining and freaking out about things around us that we can't control things that are happening to us. We're not going to lose our um, Christian composure. We're not going to lose the believer's bearing. But instead, it's as if we're saying, Lord, 
I give this thing, I give this that situation over to you. You're the master, I'm the servant. You're the father, and I'm the child. Father, you've promised to guide me, to take care of me, to watch over me. So I entrust and I release all these things to you, to your confident hands, and to your loving heart. Give it to God. That's how our faith commits it to the Lord. Now, committing something to the Lord certainly doesn't mean that um, uh, I'm irresponsible. God calls me to be faithful and do what I can do. It doesn't mean a simple abandonment like the world or humanism would talk about denial or escapism. That's not it at all. It involves committing um, and rolling it upon the Lord, really trusting in the Lord. Whether it's um, that, that fear or that anger. Whether it's that pain or that rejection or that jealousy or the uncontrollableness of the future. One commentator explained it like this. To roll one's way unto God is to dislodge the burden from your shoulder and lay it on God's. Lord, I'm doing all I can do to get, get a job. You know our financial situation. Things are, things are tight and bills are paying. But I'm going to say faithful am I am. But I, I, I'm, you didn't call me to carry the weight of this, to lose sleep over this, and get angry about it and defeated by Lord. I'm going to take the burden of this situation and I'm going to put it on your shoulders. Thank you, Lord. I'm trusting you, Lord. And you see the word commit here. <laughs> the, the word commit is uh, I'm warm. Anyone else warm? I'm warm. Amen. Don't worry about that. I'm doing all the work. No wonder why I'm warm. You're not sitting there. No. <laughs> commit your way to the Lord. Now, the word commit is a one-time thing. Commit. doesn't always work like that. Amen? I, I've time or two. I've committed something to God. I really did. But somewhere along the day, it jumped back on. Did that ever happen to you? Amen? I mean, I meant it. I, I committed it to God. And I did good for a few days. And maybe, I don't know, you know, you heard something else. or something. That rascal got back. So, but, but we're supposed to commit it. Roll it to God. Lord, here's the situation. I've done my part. Nothing more I can do. I'm not to carry it. It's a burden you don't want me to bear. It's a care that you want to come. Commit. Now, trust. Commit the way to the Lord. Trust also in Him. Trust is a continued attitude. Committing is the one-time act. Trust is my constant attitude. Amen? So really, when that thing jumps on me or tries to jump on me, hey, hey, I've committed that to God. See, now it's an attitude of trust. That thing's taken care of. The Lord's working in that situation. He's going to give me that job. God's going to open that door. God's going to bring me a healing. God, God, God's going to deal in the relationship. The Lord's going to defend me. Commit. Trust. And God worketh. Look at that. Go ahead and put verse 5 up there, would you, Jimmy? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Commit your way to the Lord. What's the situation that kept you up last night? Don't let it keep you up tonight. Bring it to the Lord. Have you been faithful to do your part? Then once you've done that, now let's commit it to the Lord. We're going to roll it onto the Lord. Amen? Carrying those shingles right up the ladder. Oh, forget that, man. Here, brother, you have my age. You take it, brother. Boom, I'm going to give it over to someone else. All right? 
Those days are past. I'm going to give it to someone else. I'm committing it, but I'm going to trust in him. And that's my attitude. My con- I'm trusting in God. What about? I'm trusting in God. What about? The Lord's taking care of it. What about? I gave it to the Lord. He cares for me. And he's caring for me. I see that's my attitude. I've committed. I'm walking in. And he shall. Wow. So if I'll commit it and I'll begin to walk in trust towards it, it releases the working of God in that situation. Hallelujah. My Lord, I, I talk about a headhunter, right? I got someone looking for me. Jesus is going to find me that job. Amen. Talk about a physician. I got the great physician. All right. All these other ones are the, the minor leagues. Amen. But I got a physician that's a better, above all those physicians. I've committed it and I'm trusting and God is working. Thank you, Lord. Your work. I'm going to wake up. It doesn't seem like anything's changed. It doesn't hear like it. But Lord, I thank you. You're working in the situation. Dealing with that rebellious heart, you're reaching out to that one that's way. Oh God, I thank you. You're working in that relationship. You're working in oh, thank you, Lord. God's working. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't the Lord good to us, folks? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Commit a single act. Trust the continual attitude, and God will. And he worketh for you, in you. Next one he says, now rest. After you've done all that, you rest. Don't rest till you've done what I told you to do. Amen? You can't take a break until you get the job done. Some want to take a break. They haven't done anything yet. You can't rest until you do what you've got to do. Amen? Hey, let's look at verse 7 together. Let's look at verse 7. Go ahead. And these are the Two combined, rest in the Lord, that's number four, and wait patiently for Him, that's number five. A healthy response to a fallen world. The believer's response to the inconsistencies, the injustice, fallen people. So I'm going to rest in the Lord, and I'm going to wait patiently for Him. Again, don't, He reminds us again, stop. But what happens is, when you're fretting, you're undoing all the other things you just did. I sowed a seed of trust. I sowed a seed of a good confession. But then I'm going to fret for a half an hour. And, you know, I just, I just, I just. Rest in the Lord. Be silent and still before the Lord. Be silent and be still. This is a silent in settled confidence in the Lord. What about that problem? What problem? What that problem? I gave it to the Lord. Settled. Silent before the Lord. I'm no longer giving in to the complaining or the expression of anxiety and fear. But I'm willing to wait patiently for God's working in God's timing. How many know faith often gets tested in the timing? Part of faith is the aspect of obedience to God. Obeying the Word of God. But another part of faith is trusting in the working and the timing and the unfolding of God. There's different aspects of faith. There's a faith that says, God says, do it, i got to do this. It takes faith and obedience 
There's other times faith is in the waiting where I'm just trusting God. I'm refusing to give in to this and that. I'm just blessing Him. Him. And how do you know, anyone here, sometimes God doesn't work according to our timetable. Did you ever find that out? I wanted the answer yesterday. And God says, in those times, your faith, sometimes faith is doing. Sometimes faith is just as I wait properly for God's unfolding. I lean on the Lord and let Him work it out. We don't fret or worry. We don't burn up, blow up. Over the thing. We commit it to God. We stand on His Word. And we trust Him to work it out. Martin Luther, the great German reformer, wrote for this verse, Be silent to God and let Him hold thee. I like that look. Let God hold you. You've rolled it on Him. You've trusted in Him. There. Now I'm going to wait patiently. And I'm going to realize that I can wait in the loving arms of the Lord and know that He will defend me and He will take care of me and He will work out His good plan for me. Can you say amen? You see, friends, God has a way of caring for His children even in a fallen world when you're working with a group that doesn't love God and you're out there with a family that might not know God. But God has a way of caring for His children. And God has a way. And a lot of it won't happen until that day, but God has a way of dealing with evil. Now, we can work against it, and we should. We can work against injustice, and we should as salt and light. But we shouldn't allow it to so frustrate us and antagonize us and worry us that it deforms us and it robs us of the peace and joy. And the purpose that God has for us in the here and now. The prophet Amos said so long ago, One day all the evil in the world will be gone and justice will run down like water and righteousness, like a mighty rushing stream. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Psalm 37. A believer's response to a fallen and inconsistent world. The negative was fret not. Three times he says it. Get a hold of that. That's important. That's important. And then he gives us five positives. He says, trust in the Lord. Be confident in God. Have an attitude of confidence because God is trustworthy. But then delight in the Lord. Let your heart be filled with not the angers and frustrations that come from this world, but from the delights and the joys that come from knowing the Lord and what you have in the Lord. And then commit it to God. The situation that thing that you're back, give it to Him. Give it to Him as an act of faith. Roll it on to Him. Don't take it back. Then rest. If you've done that, now the rest of faith. I'm going to be silent and just in a settled confidence. God's taking care of it. I'm walking on. God's in control of it. I'm, if there's something I need to do, I do it. But beyond that, what I can't do, thank you, Lord. You're working. You're as if I wait. Amen. We're going to pray our in the altars. If you need to come and commit something to the Lord, if you need to roll something over to God, if you've been fretting and anxious and really battling over something, maybe you're carrying an unnecessary, unnecessary load lately. 
It's affecting your relationship. It's bringing anger into the home. It's, it's affecting how you're walking on the job and how your witness is. Hurting your sleep at night. Come and have a talk with the Lord. It's early. Come and have a talk with the Lord. Come and bring it to the Lord. You might say, preacher, you don't understand. I, I might not. I, I don't understand a lot of things. But I know one that does. You, you don't understand this. I, I might not. We all walk different walks, but I know one that does. And you can come talk to the Lord. And in your honesty, you can say, Lord, this thing is a burden. This thing is a heartbreak. And I don't want it antagonizing me and weighing me down anymore. I'll do what my part is on my end to be faithful and obedient, but Lord, the rest of it, I just want to give it to you. Jesus, you said I can give it to you. You've invited me to give it to you. So, Lord, I'm going to take advantage of this wonderful blessing I have as a child of God that I can cast my cares on you because you care for me. And give it to the Lord. And trust Him in that situation. And just ask Him to touch those areas that might have been beat up by that thing. To begin that healing work in your life. And then walk out with the attitude, I gave it to God. God is working. God is healing. God is dealing. Amen? Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We love you. And of course, if you're here and you just need prayer for anything, you need prayer for healing or a fresh filling, of course, we will pray with you and we will bless you. We pray, Father, I thank you that you are completely trustworthy. And I thank you, Lord, that we can be confident in you. Others might have failed us. Others might have reneged. But, Lord, you are completely trustworthy. And we can be completely confident in your ability to take care of us, to fight the battle for us, to meet the need and to heal the hurt. And Lord, we just ask. And, in fact, we respond to the Scripture. And we give our cares and burdens over to you. And we choose to delight and the wonderful promises and privileges we have as sons and daughters of God. We choose not to allow those other things to control us and antagonize us. Instead, we will fix our eyes and we will wrap our affections around the goodness of God that we possess in Jesus. And we will celebrate what we have. And by faith, we will even celebrate for that which is coming. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, Father, release your mighty power at this altar. Let the rivers of the Holy Spirit flow mightily. Let there be healing. Let there be cleansing. Let there be divine refreshing. Father, honor the faith of your people and receive every burden that is given to you and release the working of your power to strengthen, encourage, and revive us. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, let's worship.
Let this be a week of walking in freedom. Let this be a week of great release. 